season of Inspire and Innovate, a podcast for educators, we take on the faculty-admin divide. I'm going to be honest. When I was a full-time faculty member in middle school, high school, higher ed, I kind of saw administrators as the bad guys. And to be fair, one of the dudes I worked for, the one that screamed at me when I was eight months pregnant because I had the audacity to allow my ninth graders to line up to leave right before the bell rang, had an affair with another English teacher, and wasn't honestly that nice a dude. But even the ones really great administrator I had my first year of teaching, shout out to Julie Bowers, totally, utterly terrified me. How could these school leaders possibly know what was best for my classroom? And anyway, power always corrupts, even those with the best of intentions. Well, now I am an evil administrator and it is easy to lose touch of what's going on in the classroom. That's why my favorite people to talk to are faculty, still the smartest, most in-touch people in the room any time of day. But guess what? The whole us versus them vibe is absurd. Because y'all, as I remind my three kids during road trips or when we're all attempting to clean the house, same team, same goals. I wish there were clear-cut villains and good guys in this life, but the longer I live, the clearer it becomes. We're all doing the best with the knowledge and skills and experiences and energy that we have. And do we all make mistakes too? You betcha. That's why I dedicate this podcast season to a proverbial clearing of the air, saying what needs to be said, because the most vicious of cycles is closing the door to your echo chamber, rolling your eyes, and making comments to your buddies about those faculty or those admin. So this season, we're going to look each other in the eye, the us and the them, whichever us or them you are, and we are going to share stories and words that reflect our truths and lived realities on a variety of themes that matter to this pursuit that we share, educating youth. In today's episode, greatness. What do faculty think make a good administrator, and what do administrators think make a great faculty member, and is there any way we can all miraculously inch that way together? I'm lucky to be joined by three incredibly great humans today. Buck Cooper, 8th grade math educator, Cassie Mendrop, our director of human resources, and Blake Ware, our head of upper school. Uh, I'm Cassie Mendrop. I'm the director of human resources, um, and I have been here almost four years. Thanks, Cassie. Mm. I'm Blake Ware. I'm the head of upper school. Uh, I am in year two here at St. Andrews. Uh, and I am a former student of Buck Cooper's. No, you're not. Well, yes. What? Yes. Why did I do this? A long time ago, I aspired to be a teacher educator, and I that, taught a graduate research methods class. And he did an amazing crazy. job. I Very am kind. sure he did an amazing I still job. remember some of the things he said in that classroom in Guyton Hall. That's Guyton Hall. What? Here we make connections. Very small world. Uh, I'm Buck Cooper. I teach eighth grade math, all the flavors, algebra, geometry. This is, golly, year 13 of teaching K-12 at like year 20 maybe of being associated with St. Andrews. I don't know. I'm an alum and a parent and an employee. I feel like you should also disclose in this episode about bridging the faculty administration gap that you in past lives have been an administrator. Right, so before, I've had two go-rounds as an employee at St. Andrews. In my first go-round, I began as a fifth grade science teacher and finished as associate head of middle school, middle school technology coordinator, and somewhat dean of students. 
all at all one once. time. <laughs> so there you go. A man with an inability to say you, no. You were both teacher and administrator at the yeah, same time. All at once. So I cannot think of a better group of people to talk about this question of greatness. And um, I think we are in the moment that it is lovely to talk about this because we are deep in recruitment season and on the hunt for some fabulous faculty. And if you're listening to this and you're an amazing educator and you would like a job at St. Andrews, please contact Cassie Nendra at. Um, but most of you are already here and we're so glad you're here. But let's begin with this sort of question um, before we get to the nuts and bolts of recruiting of just like, what are we looking for? And let's start with, with the teacher standpoint. So like in a faculty member, um, from all of our distinct places. And I think I've talked to all of you to some degree about this question in different ways, so I'm excited to hear them all come together on this podcast. But like, what makes a great teacher? And if you don't want to just stick with adjectives, I sometimes think it's helpful to hear kind of a story of, of someone that you've worked with or encountered uh, that you would classify that way. Well, I'll, I'll hop in with some suggestions. Um, and, you know, like it... I would say others weigh in, disagree if you want. Um, you know, but I, I think um, I, I think of it in a in a couple of different ways. On one hand, I think a great teacher certainly um, needs solid command of their content area, um, and, and it, it it seems kind of obvious. Um, but I'd say just a real uh, thorough understanding of their material and and an ability to um, to communicate that in an effective way, in a developmentally appropriate way, um, in a um, diverse um, kind of creative way, um, you know, th th those are it, it's it's just helpful. I mean, it, it, it's great. Uh, and then um, I think that's that that is almost kind of a, an essential. And then I would say to to build off of that, what makes a really a teacher great is is student care. Um, I, I think that um, that people get into this profession um, hopefully because they they love the ages that they're working with um, and that they care deeply about them as human beings first and as students in their uh, you know, subject area second. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think a, a, a real commitment to um, to the to the kind of human side of things is an essential component of a great teacher. And I think that that manifests itself in different ways, um, you know, but I think it's, it's you know, time within the classroom and it's also time outside of the classroom. Um, and um, it, it's, it's, it, <laughs> it spans the hours of the school day and beyond. Um, it's comprehensive. It's, you know, oftentimes um, emotionally draining, but it, it's, it's all the same very much worth it. And you just came from an interview with a potential candidate. So did. this is fresh. This is fresh on your mind. You are searching for all of those things all in those things. conversations. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Blake. Thanks, Blake. I would, I mean, so I would echo a lot of what Blake said. I would say just, I'd, I'd heard sort of three broad categories. Well, two broad categories and what Blake said, and I'll add one to build onto it. So um, the second part he talked about to me is, um, is sort of primary, which is um, care for students. Um, mainly because what is school but like this ongoing cycle of getting the wheels off only to have them come, I'm sorry, getting the wheels <laughs> on, on only to have them come off, only to try to put them back on before they leave us as seniors. And so 
you're constantly dealing with people who are undergoing sort of major life transitions, some of them not of their own doing, some of them are development, human development. And then, you know, some of those transitions involve cycles of stress or failure or even trauma. And so you, you have to sort of acknowledge first that they're humans, I think, and then um, that the, the subject matter is important, right? We've chosen this particular institution as a way of getting children through those cycles of getting the wheels on, having them come off and trying to put them back on. Um, and it's sort of a, I don't know if it's a well-oiled machine, but it's the machine we have. Um, and yeah, so I think ideally you have someone who has a masterful command of their content, but short of the ideal, you have somebody who's willing to be curious to build or even improve uh, a nascent mastery of mm -hmm. their content and absolutely the ability to communicate those things. The only thing I would add to what Blake said would be um, someone who's willing to dig into the life of the school that they're going to become a part of and finding ways to connect with students and colleagues um, professionally, extracurricularly. I mean, schools are total institutions, and so you kind of want to engage as many of those. You want someone, I think, who would engage as many of those aspects as possible. It's pretty tall order, and all at the same time as wheels are falling off and on, and I've never heard that metaphor, and it's so apt. Maybe it's mostly apt right now, the week before spring break, but wow, I'm, fe I'm feeling that bug. Thank you. It's beautiful. Cassie, I've heard you speak about sort of this your side, and I know your expertise maybe is less just faculty, but you have such a unique perspective um, from doing exit interviews and working with the first stages of finding faculty and connecting. And just for those that don't know, Cassie does an incredible logistical, insane thing this season of just getting getting us connected to candidates and setting up visits, and it's just an amazing job you do. So anyway, anything you. you want to share? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so um, really all the way through uh, with HR, your employee life cycle is kind of the term that we use, all the way from before somebody is an applicant um, when we're recruiting folks. And it's not a one-person job by any means, and we really rely on networking of our current faculty and current administrators and parents and helping us find the best people out there who do fit this um, what we what we just define as a great teacher and so then selling them on why St. Andrews is such a unique place um, here in the metro area in our state and regionally and um, then once they're here making sure that they're happy and they feel valued and that we can retain them and so always um, wanting to, to hear feedback on how we can make their experience better as an employee as well. Absolutely. It is like a life, it is a life commitment sort of, right? These, these big decisions. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks to the three of you. So, I mean, I guess then the big question in the room of the season is in this particular, which we should situate in this particular historical context of the great resignation uh, that uh, everyone's writing about and thinking about in all sorts of contexts beyond schools. But schools seem particularly hard hit for, I think, a variety of very um, logical and rational reasons and wheels off and on and all that. And so um, what do we do uh, in this moment in relation to, to finding folks? Um, we all clearly strongly, strongly believe in this work and um, have found for us that this is sort of our life mission and it's not perfect and it's hard and there are other jobs that are maybe more alluring in other ways, but we're here 
for a particular reason. So what, what thoughts do you have about how to go about this process and what have you learned along the way? Hmm. Well, uh, I, I, I um, have dedicated um, a disproportionate percentage of my kind of working life to this over the past several months, um, significantly more um, than I, I think I even anticipated. And I, um, I, I think uh, <laughs> the, the, the first thing that I would say about this is like the, the kind of old traditional methods of identifying independent school teachers especially, um, I think it's kind of getting blown up in some ways. I mean, there are, um, there are you know, search firms out there that, that, I mean, very much seek to place faculty members at schools like St. Andrews. And, um, and I think that the market is just very much changing for, um, for faculty. And uh, it, you know, it, it appears from my perspective, to be much more of a buyer's market now than it ever has been before, uh, particularly with several uh, disciplines in particular. And so, I don't know if blown up, it, that may be an exaggeration, but like, but it just, it feels that, you know, there's, there, there seems to be a bit more soul searching now um, than, there ha than there has been in, in years past about, you know, is this how I want to spend the next, you know, 35 years of my professional life? Um, and so I think consequently, um, as we think about recruiting, hiring, and retaining great teachers, um, we, we also, if it's an opportunity, uh, so we have an opportunity to try and be more creative about, um, about finding, uh, finding talent and bringing that talent here. And so um, I, you know, <laughs> that I, I say I say that to say um, I think we're just starting we're just getting started with that kind of creativity I guess if that makes sense and I think that um, w you know we could continue to dedicate a lot of time and a lot of energy to thinking about how to locate people in, in less traditional ways uh, especially because you know one of our goals for you know the future of the St Andrews is also uh, that we would have a, a more diverse faculty um, and I think you know it is going to be essential that we find more creative inroads, um, you know, so that we can also identify, um, you know, really excellent faculty members in less uh, kind of traditional ways. And so, um, all that to say, it, like, it is, it is not a code that I have cracked by any stretch. Um, and I think, I, and I, I guess I also hope that the, the, the more I do it, the better I get at it. Um, but I, I think that, you know, in terms of, um, in terms of kind of the importance, it is just it is one of the most important things I think I can do with my time, especially right now in this season. Just because, again, you know, as, as we think about um, you know what makes a great teacher and specifically student care, I mean, the, the people who are working with students on the day to day is just it's just central to the mission of the organization. So, um, again, there, there, there's um, I think we're just getting started in some ways. Gosh, I'll stick with that word creativity, Cassie or Buck. I mean, I'd be really interested uh, in what 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 does that mean? Give, are we standing on our heads? Are we doing a show? Like, what 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 are creative methods of thinking about this? And what have you seen other schools do? Or what have we tried? 
Um, we've we have traditionally posted on our website um, prior to to my being here, posted on our website and used some of these national regional search firms. Um, and you know we've we've had we have many people on our faculty who came through that way, but really trying to um, let people in our community right here know who we are. Um, we've got some fabulous teachers in our area that aren't here and um, would love to share our mission with them and see if their values might align with our values and our vision and our mission. So trying to build um, a better network here in, in the metro area and in the state through local colleges and universities as well. Um, and then also looking at um, maybe we have a real rock star um, new grad and how who doesn't have much teaching experience and how can we support them as well as they begin their teaching career if they are interested in our school. So that's another um, another creative way. Um, we've tapped into Indeed, uh, Indeed um, and then LinkedIn as well. And so LinkedIn has really allowed us to get creative with um, searching and proactively reaching out to people rather than waiting for people to come to us. And so we've gotten some candidates and we've made some hires through um, Indeed, actually. Uh, I think I think our, our our gentleman who is recording us right here came the through us. Uh, reached out to me on LinkedIn. So um, you know, you just got you there's you got to turn over every stone, and so really think about it creatively. Interesting, interesting stuff. I feel like we're in a unique position as the independent school in Mississippi that we are, um, because in that there are these two things we tend to have to hold intention both in terms of I think attracting talent but I think more broadly as a school and that is we're an independent school with national level aspirations um, situated in a state that is very uh, networked um, and a lot of uh, people who are here are here because of a connection to a network that linked them back to mm -hmm. St. Andrews. And that's, that's one of the great joys of living in a place like Mississippi. And it's also, I think, sometimes one of the great difficulties of living mm -hmm. in a place like Mississippi is everybody seems to know everybody and everybody seems to know everybody. And sometimes <laughs> those are sort of tough, tough things to crack. So I don't know, in terms of thinking creatively about it, what are what are ways institutionally that we can continue to do the important work that Cassie's done and, and tapping into those networks, I guess, electronically in the way that you've described, and then um, what are ways that we hold that in tension with the, the national aspirations that are manifest in those recruitment agencies that Blake described as well. Yeah, yeah. The, the blessing and the curse. <laughs> so many things are both, aren't they? Aren't they? Well, in, in honor of the time, let's move on to administrators. And I think we all are pretty familiar with the lexicon of talking about high quality teachers. It's something that I think there is sort of a national conversation about all the time and what makes a good teacher and oh my goodness, this teacher did this and it's in the news and we can't believe it and we're outraged. And Everyone has sat in classrooms and watched teachers. Everyone thinks they know what makes a good teacher because of that. I think there's less conversation, awareness, consciousness, uh, for good and bad, of sort of the job of administrators or school leaders. Um, and it's something that I don't want to neglect because I think 
um, the, at least from my experiences, both as a faculty member as an, and an administrator, uh, the influence of, of school leaders can really make or break the culture of a place. Uh, although it's the faculty that are really in the trenches with students every day, for whatever reason, that can really flow down and that energy shifts things. And so um, this podcast is sort of about addressing both pieces of that puzzle, and that's why we have these these uh, three fabulous guests. And so tell me a little bit about what makes a great administrator and if you have a story of, of one that, that, that um, has, has impressed you in your life. For a period of about three years, uh, it was three years, I taught at a Catholic school in Durham, North Carolina, Immaculata Catholic School. And I had come to Immaculata um, having done Teach for America and then deciding I was never going to teach again. And I was <laughs> like, okay, well, maybe I can try this again. So I tried it in a very different context. And I, I didn't know at the time, but I was being hired by a woman who had stepped aside as a professor of education at Meredith College to take the principal role at the Catholic school affiliated with the church she attended, a woman named Mary Kay Delaney. And um, Mary Kay was a student of Eleanor Duckworth, uh, who was a translator for Piaget and a student of Piaget. And so Mary Kay had this very rich educational background. And she's always been to me sort of the, um, the North Star of what an administrator should be, because Mary Kay was was great at making sure that things were being held together. But for me as a second, third, fourth year teacher, Mary Kay was, was the best at coming and watching my class. She took notes like a qualitative researcher and then the conversations that came out of watching my teaching are just the conversations I had, whether I was ended up with two or three books or somebody that recommended, mm -hmm. but also um, a new and interesting way of thinking about my practice. And I was, I was always grateful for that. Um, I was always grateful for having an administrator who took me seriously enough to get past telling me sort of the nuts and bolts pieces and engaged me at the level that I really wanted to gauge, which was learning how to think about how children think and responding to it. So She sounds amazing. She is amazing. I would love to meet her. Wow, wow. Um, yeah, as I think about what makes a great administrator, the, 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 I guess I just keep thinking back to the word trust. Um, and I think that that is uh, such a central one in, in the role of administrators within schools. Um, you know, I think I think there, I think the trust is made up of different things, um, and I think it's um, you know it's a hard thing to build and oftentimes an easy thing to to lose, right? And so um, as, as I think about you know really great administrators uh, that I've had in the past, and also. Uh, not great administrators that I've had, that, that seems to be a, a common thread throughout is the trustworthiness of the person. Um, and, you know, I, th I think <laughs> uh, that is the thing I would say that, um, you know, just frankly in, in my work that, that, um, that keeps me up at night is like really wanting to be trustworthy um, and, and doing right by everyone um, with that in mind. And so I, I think that uh, in some ways you, well, especially with with a mission of a school like St. Andrews, like you know, kind of you know, being mission aligned and mission fulfillment is is you know, a central piece of earning trust. Um, but I, you know, again, I just think that um, that is an essential component to uh, the work of a great administrator, and I think a lot flows from that. 
It's really interesting too because I think you build trust with different people through different avenues. So to build trust with a Buck Cooper, you better know your stuff about teaching and learning because that's where his head is at. And that's and and for others, it's like, do you what return my email or do you um, when I ask for this logistic have a plan in place? I mean, it is it is so many things. And from my far away peripheral vision of sort of what at least division heads do, so so much is thrown at you at once, and so. It's not so much the fact that we have any untrustworthy, I mean, I'm sure there are untrustworthy administrators out there, but you know, I think often the case of losing trust is not about um, intent, it's about uh, juggling 62,000 things at once, and um, I think you have a lot of trust with your faculty. Like, P.S. I think it's too about balancing the needs of so many constituencies yes, yes. we've got um, faculty we've got students we've got parents we've got um, people who give to the school who are friends of the school we've got community partners um, and then just our, our overall brand out there and so how can we as administrators um, balance all of those needs and what it comes back to me and something that Kevin Lewis told me in my first interview that made me um, I guess just kind of latch on to I want to work there um, is that no matter what the decision may be is going back to our mission of we're going to honor the dignity of each person and so in those constituencies we might not always agree on those and I think administrators have to try to bridge that gap um, while honoring every single person. Easy. Done. <laughs> Done. <laughs> not, not complex at all. Yeah. Well, this has been fabulous. I want to maybe end with a, a question sort of both about admin and faculty. And and that is sort of this notion of getting greater or getting better. And I think all of us in this room anyway don't feel like we're cooked or finished or perfected. <laughs> Although, Buck, I don't know. I don't know. You've said some pretty smart things. No, we all have. We all have so far to grow. And so I guess I wonder as a school culture, you know, how can we promote the getting greater together? Right. And so it doesn't feel antagonistic. It doesn't feel top down. It doesn't feel um, I'm not good enough. Right. Because that never helps any of us grow. But how can we all sort of inch towards that elusive greatness thing um, together and not necessarily lockstep, but I guess like hand in hand? Read Jim Collins' books. Oh! <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mm, uh, done! I, I mean, that wasn't... I mean, Jim Collins, you're a good degree, right? right? Yeah, so. um, it, the, in terms of uh, fostering greatness for both faculty and admin, um, I, I, I guess recently I've been thinking much more about um, finding things that are energizing... Um, and finding ways to do those things. Um, and best case scenario, find ways to do those things together. Um, and so, for example, I think professional development um, could be one of those things. I mean, I, I think that um, there, there can be a lot of really positive energy born out of um, you know, time spent together working onto the, the mission of the place you know, that you're a part of. And I guess I, I have to think and hope that if you're doing that again um, with the mission, vision, and values of the school in mind, you, you're taking steps towards a, a greater greatness. 
that's even a thing. Um, but no, I, I mean, it really, I, I, I do think that um, I, I just know that the work of schools, um, you know, it, it can get into difficult, mundane, challenging, um, you know, it, it can it can be hard and it can be daunting. And um, and yet I, I just think that, um, again, that those kind of mutually energizing experiences can be really helpful. Let's do it. Let's do a critical friends group. Right, right. Let's do that. No, <laughs> um, I would. I would just add. I think two big, two big things that for me, for me, that keep coming to mind. Uh, that are things that we try to teach the children about living community with one another. One is um, approach people with with curiosity rather than suspicion. Um, so. Like even, I mean, and there are, there are certainly people who disagree on matters of pedagogy, on matters of how to, how to be in relationship with children in a, in a teacher-student type way and what that looks like and even how a classroom of children should behave. But, you know, if, if we can approach one another rather, not, not with a suspicion or resentment, but with a curiosity, like what's behind that? And assume probably that what's behind it is probably a love of children, which is the second thing I think, which is love, right? Like, so we have to live with one another eight hours of the day, plus uh, nights at basketball and football games, plus field trips, you know, to faraway places like Dolphin Island or McDowell Farm. <laughs> and you can't, and, and we, we, you can't do that with people that you don't feel something like love for, specifically, like actually love them. So I mean, you gotta, have, I think love and curiosity are um, the two things that'll certainly help a community feel more cohesive, if not sort of work towards a greater greatness. I, I love was, that. That was, was such a good That greatness. was a greater greatness. Greater the new greatness. title of this podcast is A Greater Greatness. A great, I love it. Mm -hmm. A great greater. I was just furiously Googling on my phone and I wanted to make sure it was Bell Hooks. Have you read her work about radical love in pedagogy? Mm -hmm. She's a teaching to transgress. I bet you've, you've read her and encountered her. But she has this piece about radical love and it's so, it's so reframing for me about what love is, which is not this soft, very safe thing, right? Like sure. it is, it is actually the bravest thing usually, right? And um, anyway, it's helped me think, I think often we avoid words like love in, in teaching and in classroom spaces when actually that is, that's all we're doing, right? Yeah. And anyway, I think, I mean, so one thing that I think you have access to that the others of us in the room don't, that I think a lot about are exit interviews and like, this is for the, if anyone's not familiar when when someone is leaving an institution they sort of check in with someone and say here's here's why I'm leaving and sometimes it's probably very am you know happy and other times they're like very clear like sort of grievances to air and I'm curious if any of those have given you clues or if you've seen themes or patterns particularly in this notion of like faculty and admin and how we live and work and do this stuff together that you could help us understand uh, that could inform our work. Sure, sure. Um, so I always start out the exit interviews and go through the, the standard, you know, that's going to take notes. I'm going to put this in your file and always say, but please tell me the good, the bad, the ugly. And um, I ask so many questions. Um, I've had exit interviews that people, you know, don't want to provide much feedback or they're sure. really happy here and are having to move on for various reasons. Um, and then I've had exit interviews that have lasted uh, three hours. And so um, I learn so much from those 
interviews and so much so that I was like, I wish I had this information sooner than as someone's walking out the door. And honestly, some of my conversations in an exit interview have been the best conversations I've ever had with this faculty member that's mm -hmm. leaving. And I'm like, I wish that I had gotten to know this person sooner and then maybe something could have helped them along. So um, we've done some stay interviews as well as retention tools um, for some folks. So that's that's one thing. So really the stay interviews and the exit interviews ask about everything, their relationship with their supervisor, um, their relationship with administration, their relationship with the community as a whole, benefits, pay, every, every aspect of um, that employee-employer relationship. And I think the main thing is, is so much, a lot of times um, when people are leaving, it's because they haven't had a good relationship with somebody here. Um, sometimes disagreement with a supervisor or disagreement with somebody in admin, um, or usually it's not a colleague, um, but typically it's those relations, it's very much relationship-driven. Wow. And so how can we, um, you know, build those relationships and maintain them throughout the throughout the employee's tenure. It's an interesting idea that this key to greatness might not just be our individual pursuit of getting better at what we do, but instead a, a, a pursuit of a relationship, right, mm -hmm. that's positive and open and makes me want to sit down and interview every single <laughs> faculty member uh, in hopes that I... I learned some things. Well, I certainly learned a lot from all of you on this. I want to give everybody the chance, if you have anything else you want to share on this or other things, to have a, a final word, a final say um, in your moment of fame here on our famous podcast. I'm, go ahead. If you're a teacher, we are very grateful for your hard work. We are so grateful, and all of you are great. And to be fair, it's a lie, the, the idea of greatness, really. I feel like everyone has, like, aspects of greatness, right? Like, I think it's, like, if I love all my kids equally situation. Like, sure, sure. <laughs> I can pick totally. so many pieces of, of brilliance um, in every class observation I've ever gone to. So.